and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today we're going to be talking about the Thunder beginning the pre-draft process. They brought in a bunch of different players for workouts starting on Thursday. So I'll give the breakdown on the six confirmed cases, kind of what you can pick out from that group. And if that really means anything, just kind of prefacing what we could see in the next month or two as OKC starts to train prospects and kind of weed out who and who will not be high on their draft board. And to top it all off, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things out with the Thunder. It has not even been a month since the Thunder concluded the regular season. I believe it's been 29 days since they ended up um, losing by 50 points to the LA Clippers. We got some hook shots in there. Yorgos was playing. We saw Melvin Frazier Jr. Basically, it was the OKC Blue playing the full 48 minutes, but we saw that action. Now, they have returned focus to off-season duties and we know that Oklahoma City has kind of had their focuses honed in on the off-season for the last two years whenever they traded off Chris Paul Danilo ended up leaving Steven Adams got offloaded it was pretty clear what was going on in OKC last season they kind of shifted that torch over SGA had it obviously at the end of the year tied for fourth best Ended up getting the sixth pick, got Trey Mann, got JRE, and they're continuing to build upon that. If you guys don't already know, which you probably already do, come into the draft lottery with the fourth best odds, the number one pick, and the 12th best odds as well coming from the LA Clippers pick, which ended up falling their way after kind of a miracle come playing time. So they're looking good, and that means they're going to be just scouring the draft board for pieces, not just at the top, but also at the bottom. They have pick number 34 from their own selection, and then they could also tap into the undrafted pool, maybe get back up into the second. Consolidations um, could also be in play. So you really can't axe any part of the draft board for OKC, and you have to keep in mind, at the G League level too, they have two first-round picks. They got one from Iowa in the Melvin Frazier Jr. trade, so you know, they're basically everywhere in terms of potential player development. And then obviously, you know, could be a a lot of key departures for OKC's development team. They could throw some Exhibit 10 contracts really anywhere they would like to. So they have gotten into the mix in terms of pre-draft workouts. Last season, they had a very extensive list of people that they were checking out. Of the ones that they kept, Trey Mann was one that was widely known that he tried out. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I'm not too sure about, to be honest. I know Aaron Wiggins was on that list. And Josh Giddy, he had an interesting situation I'll go into in a little bit. But as reported by Locked On Thunder host Ryland Stiles and then Richard Stamen, he runs Mavs Draft over on Twitter. OKC jumped into the draft process on Thursday. They brought in three prospects that we know of for some drills. That would have been Jordan Goldwire from Oklahoma, Keon Ellis from Alabama, and then Tyson Jolly from Iona. And then there were three more that were also made public, I believe yesterday, in Texas Tech guard Davion Warren, 
Lester Quinonez from Memphis, and then Isaiah Wong from Miami. So that's six you can place there. I believe there's more. Uh, there's definitely more. Um, Styles had a list that had, I think, two or three prospects that were blurred out because it was supposed to be kept off the table. Um, but just in general, you know, lots of workouts are not made publicized. They're not really supposed to be. And the only franchise that is making these public and showing every player they're bringing in and out of is the Atlanta Hawks. And they've had, I believe, 18 different players go in in the last week. So they're on top of things. And if you're a Hawks fan, you have pretty clear insight on what's going on. For the Thunder, you're not going to hear a peep. And just generally speaking, OKC is one of the most tight-lipped organizations in sports. It's pretty well known. Like any news bite, whether big or small, they do not want getting out. And I, I had that firsthand. There was a mid-season deal this year that I had the first scoop on and I was given the green light. I, I actually had it on Twitter for all of about like five seconds, got a call back and said, hey, you got to keep it off the table actually because uh, you know the franchise got back to them. They didn't want it coming out and um, it didn't come out. So it was not a significant deal either, <laughs> if you're wondering. So, like, yeah, they just they don't want anything coming out. That's the same with the workouts. And even though we're hearing stuff on guys like Isaiah Wong and Keon Ellis, there's many more players that we're just not going to hear about because there's no inside sources letting everybody know every individual prospect. And a majority of the time, you see three-on-three drills at these uh, events and five on fives. Both of these drops came in packs of three. So there are at least like four players I could confidently say no one has uh, dropped publicly. And I'm sure that number will just continue to grow and grow. Now, of the group that has been publicized, basically all of them are considered undrafted candidates. The only one that I've seen on big boards has been Keon Ellis out of Alabama. He's a 22-year-old senior, looked pretty good as a 3 and D threat for the Crimson Tide. I've seen him anywhere from like mid-30s to late second round, so I'm not really sure where he settles. I think the whole perception of like four-year college players has actually gone up a little bit these last few years, though. You look at some cases... Uh, that you'll see in the back end of the draft, just like upperclassmen even. Look at someone like Aaron Wiggins, where pick 55, he comes in and he's already NBA ready. I think Keon Ellis could fall in that group of someone who could be deemed ready to play. Um, I go into others. I'd say an example could be like Jose Alvarado, but that's like a, a completely different type of player. He is something else. But I don't think people are just torching guys for being 22 anymore. I think the... Uh, the scouting department is kind of getting back into, you know, kind of selling in on these older prospects that should be able to help you right away. So Ellis has that appeal. Basically, everybody else, though, is an upperclassman, but they're not really that high up. They're all guards, though. Every single one of these six is a guard. Now, Keon is more of a wing. He played sparingly at the three but it's basically all backcourt that OKC has tacked onto the board. And if you want to kind of pick that apart, it'd be odd that everyone they're bringing in is just guards. 
you look at OKC's rotation, they don't need help at the one or two right now. They have SGA, Giddy's there, Teo, Trey, Vit, and then even Ty Jerome if he sticks around. And hell, you could put Lou Dort and Kenrich Williams kind of in that area. You know, when you're checking what OKC needs, it's definitely at the small forward or the power forward position. I don't think you look at the the one or the two, and honestly, you look at the five as well. I think that's actually the biggest issue, because you can drop JRE down to the four. Same goes for Roby, even Muscala, but they don't have that set piece. None of those guys check the boxes for what OKC's objective would end up being. However, once again, this isn't just about evaluating who's making that 15-man roster. A lot of these players, and it might not be this group, ended up testing the pool as early entrants, but they can always come back because they don't have the agents on their side and they can return to college. That's what we've seen, and we've seen it from many different prospects. I imagine a lot of agents and a lot of players are just trying to get their foot in the door. They're not you know, necessarily trying to get in right away. Obviously, the the end goal is to make the NBA, but for some players, I'll just throw out, you know, uh, an example from home, like Avery Anderson III, for example. He is an early entrant. He was last year. He is this season. I don't think he's someone that gets drafted in this class. However, getting in these drills and getting in these examinations could significantly help him, maybe for a G League spot, or if he returns for his senior campaign, uh, some additional opportunities. So that's where I kind of view a lot of these prospects. And of course, Sam Presti and everybody wants to evaluate them because they enjoy kind of panning for gold. And it's not just for the Thunder group. You look at this organization. They use the G League probably better than anybody else. Now, are they the most talented G League group? Probably not. They're definitely up there. I'd say top five in terms of true talent, but they're best at utilizing it and really giving them an outlet to move on to the next level. When they're viewing point guards, I'm looking at, you know, what's next for the G League. I think that a lot of their roster will end up being gutted. So they could be someone you bring in on Exhibit 10, someone that you just bring in for summer league evaluation. There's a lot of different layers to this. And I think when it's all said and done, this is going to be a very extensive list of players that have gone in and out of Bricktown. And that's how this should be built. You want to get a large grasp on just about anybody and you want to see, you know, who's able to counter maybe some top level prospects. You know, there's guys that I think that, you know, agents don't want their matchup seen. I think a good one would be like Bouye out of San Francisco, six foot seven wing, been around the block for a little bit. He's deemed undrafted, but I think you could put him against a first round pick and that'd be a pretty good uh, contest. If you're that first round prospect or you're his agent, you don't want him playing against undrafted talent, second round talent, because that could end up damaging, you know, your reputation, your credibility going into potentially the green room. So... I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into workouts, how it ends up happening. I wouldn't put a lot of stock into these prospects, to be honest with you. There are some very fun stories that you can kind of pick apart from them, and I will go into that in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the second round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Moving along though, guys, just a a deeper look a little bit on some of these guys. Jordan Goldwire could be a name that stuck out. He played three seasons with Duke, transferred over to OU this season, and he was pretty good. I mean, he averaged a tick above 10 points per game, 3.6 assists, shot the hell out of the basketball. You know, he didn't statistically shoot amazing. He shot 28% from deep, but when he got in rhythm, that man was pretty difficult to guard. So, Maybe this is more of like an OKC Blue type of player. We've seen um, Nazi Muhammad and just the organization kind of go after some of those in-house players. Lindy Waters is the biggest one. Oklahoma State guy, you know, was playing with the Enid Outlaws last season, and then he was able to kind of climb the ranks. He was working at um, like Uber Eats, actually, before he uh, got the summer camp invite, which, you know, that's a story... And of itself, he was working his tail off for additional opportunities, and he was able to make it big. Uh, but you know, outside of someone like Lindy, Jawan Evans is one where they gave him a chance. I think on a two-way contract, actually, it came really late in the year. It was after Burton got his upgrade, and even someone like Michael Cobbins or hell, like Markel Brown, they love Oklahoma State. Not the same for OU, but. Maybe you look at someone like Goldwire. Tyson Jolly is another kind of in-state player. When you checked him out in high school, you know, he was killing it over in Muskogee, and that's kind of where he was able to make a name for himself. Even on Twitter now, he's been fairly active when people from the area have kind of commented on him working out. He sounded very stoked to be uh, uh, suited up in a Thunder uniform over the week but he was kind of bounced around a few a few different schools played at Baylor SMU finished up at Iona averaging about 15 points per game shot 37 percent from distance this is a potential backup point guard for the G League decent size at six foot four those are the two big ones though and Isaiah Wong might actually have the biggest name value he was the star of the show uh, when Miami got to the Elite Eight. So he's got a lot to ride off of. He's had two killer years with the Hurricanes, actually. Averaged 17 points as a sophomore, 15 points this year, and he's kind of gravitating around 30% from distance. 
I'm more excited to see the big man prospects. You know, when I look at the Thunder, I think that that's where you need to put a lot of emphasis into, and they should have been doing this the last two seasons. Me personally, you know, if I was the scout, or if I was scouting, I would have done a hell of a job on the bigs the last two seasons. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but, you know, those like 50s, the 50th pick, I would have had the board just completely laid out. I don't think Aaron Wiggins was a guy I was like really adamant on at all. I Whenever he got picked at 55, I was stoked. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't have him like highlighted. I don't think I had him high on my big board. I did, and you can check uh, Bricktown Beat for this. I did mention that he was arguably the best guy in the G League Combine. That's where they bring 40 players kind of on the outside looking in on draft invites, and then they bring like the top six. He made it to the NBA Combine and performed pretty well there, and that's kind of where he got to where you know he was draftable. But the big dude was Charles Bassey. I don't get how he went to like 53 you know 76ers got another stud but before that they got Paul Reed at 58 how the hell does Paul Reed go 58 in a draft I had him projected as like a late first early second round pick when OKC went to the podium at 34 I wanted him or Teo and I got receipts on and I can send it to anybody who would like it it was between Teo or Paul for me so when Teo went I was super happy, and then it was, well, when does Paul Reed go? Pick after pick, nobody took a chance on him. He almost went undrafted, and then you kind of know the story. Paul's doing amazing with the 76ers when he does play, and then Charles Bassey's kind of the same story, just G League All-Stars. I haven't looked too much into the center's late round yet so I don't want to say this is the next Paul Reed or this is the next Charles Bassey but hidden gems are a plenty and it's probably going to be the same in this draft class Presty mentioned in his exit interview that you know he thought this class was really good um now the public perception is that it's not as good as last season which last season that's such a high bar to set I don't think it's going to hit it probably and I'd say that's probably the same for like everybody. You know, this was one that you don't find too often. I think top five. I did my redraft last week on it. Like if Jalen Green is arguably the, the fifth best player in a redraft right now. Oh, you know that this this class is something because Jalen Green is a monster. I still have him second on my big board. I think he's going to live up to that. But damn, dude, just wild, wild stuff with this one. You know, you do get the same. You get Chet, Jabari, Paolo, and then you kind of dip down into guys like Jaden, Ivy, and Shaden Sharp. It's been very interesting. The media has kind of gotten it down to a top three, and now Shaden is pushing in for four next to Ivy. I'll have a big board settled at some point here, but I think that's a very interesting thing to monitor. For me, I'm looking at guys like Leonard Miller and Patrick Baldwin Jr., I'll do scouting reports on them, but they just fill into that category of, you know, players that were studs in high school. They have the NBA body. They have the NBA archetype. Just didn't go their way uh, in college. With Leonard, he hasn't even touched a college court, but there's still a lot of enigmatic stuff about him to where, you know, no one wants to kind of stamp down on his status. 
I think those two are worth the deep dive. When we're looking at players that could get into that mix of deep dives, I don't think we see that until probably June, actually. You look at where a lot of these workouts happen and where Presti kind of does his best. They come in the back end of the process, and they come in some secretive ways. I mentioned earlier that Trey Mann was talked about, Aaron Wiggins was talked about as candidates that the Thunder worked out. Josh Giddy was not, and when he was selected at number six, everybody went crazy. Now, as things were figured out, it almost seemed like he had a draft promise at, at number seven from the Golden State Warriors. I feel like they could have imagined Kuminga being gone there. It's insane value at number seven for them. But it seemed like he was going to be in a Golden State uniform until OKC came in last second. Giddy had two workouts, one with the Warriors and then one with the Thunder. The one with the Thunder kind of came out of nowhere. Clay Bennett was there. Presti was there. No one was really in attendance. And it was basically a secret workout. It wasn't even publicized like I said until after he put on that cap that OKC really had any sort of interest and that's where they work best the whole entire time it was James Booknight or it was Jonathan Kuminga didn't end up being that way and worked out just fine for the Thunder worked out insanely well for the Warriors for the Hornets they got great value with Booknight um just one of those things where they they aren't in a spot to really foster players, it seems like. They're stuck in the middle right now, and you'd think that mean that they'd give him opportunities, but they're not giving Book Knight enough shots. They didn't give Kai Jones enough shots this year. JT Thor is also in that camp. I think they had a great draft on paper, but they just weren't able to kind of put all the pieces together this season. For the Thunder, they'll be looking to put a lot more pieces together. I'm going to put more pieces together both on SI and on the pod as we get closer and closer to uh, the draft lottery. And if there's any prospects you'd like me to talk about or any sort of subject in particular, please send it my way, guys. I love kind of going into those questions, going into the what if scenarios and you know who would work best in a Thunder jersey. I've been typing up some long articles on draft pro- uh, profiles. That's why you haven't seen that yet from me. If you remember last season, I had about a 10-day stretch where it was exclusively draft talk. Wasn't a lot on the Thunder, and I really enjoyed that. Thing is, those take a lot of time to type up. Take a lot of time for me to kind of get that good evaluation and for me to feel confident enough to let you guys know. Because I'm not a big fan of posting something half-baked and then two weeks later making another story. Basically identical with a different viewpoint. I want to have that pen to paper analysis that I can feel confident on and we're kind of getting to those stages right now apologies for not getting an episode out a little bit earlier this week it was my finals week actually so lots of stuff I had on my plate it's kind of been cleared off now and that's going to be good for the podcast side of things other than that though guys that is going to do it for today's episode I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.